Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Worthy is your name this morning, Father. We praise you and bless you this morning, Lord, and we invite you into this place, Holy Spirit. Father, you are here because we are the temple and you are within us by your Holy Spirit. But Father, we just praise you and bless you in this time and in this space, Father God, to come and speak. Father, we thank you. We praise you and bless you. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. By your spirit, Father, by your spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. we just wait in your presence. Lord, you don't have to speak. But Father, we make space if you want to speak through the body in a word, a picture, scripture, an exhortation, Father God. Hallelujah. Psalm 4015 Be still and know that I am God. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. When you cry, Jesus cries too. You are not alone. He will never leave you. Amen. He will never frustrate you. He will not hurt you in any way. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Be still and know that I am God. I've got you, my beloved. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. word stand and having done all to stand in these days of evil stand having your loins girt about with truth put on your helmet of salvation put on your breastplate take up your sword put on your belt of truth your feet shod with the gospel of peace and pray one for another for these are evil days stand having done all to stand
so that same thing that was done to those animals is done to those like this. Praise is the Lord and greatness to be praised. In the city of our God, on the mountain of his holiness, beautiful is the situation, the joy of living fully. Is Mount Zion and the joys of the hills, the city of his God. Yeah, that's an old chorus. I, I, I forget. I, I, coming back to me as she was saying it, I don't know if anyone like is confident and I could sing it. <laughs> Nobody's that confident. I don't know. I, I just, I know it's an old chorus. Okay, no, we won't. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we'll be here all day and we'll put people into therapy and trauma. <laughs> so it's okay. Don't. We're here for peace and glory, not trauma. They made me get up and sing. <laughs> we'll never see her again. But God's saying something, isn't he? I mean, we do this because biblically, the Bible says that God can speak, yes, through his word. And I explain this often. I'll continue to explain this because it needs to be understood that God also desires to speak through his body. Uh, sometimes in a prophetic word that is uh, to somebody or all of us or whether it's a thought or a scripture or a picture that God speaks to us and he wants us to hear something. And, it, you know, it's interesting, be still and then to stand. Both those things are a kind of a call for us not to really do too much. Not to really do too much, except just be still, know that we're not alone, Know that we're not forsaken. Know that God has got you. Now, I don't know wha where your life is and what you're experiencing, but I can pretty well guess that there's an awful lot of people who are feeling alone, forsaken, and that nobody is with them to help them. And it's, it's just the nature of the world we're living in right now in some ways. But also, the Christian walk can give us that experience. It can. Uh, you can have those emotions and those feelings. And then God is just saying, stand. You know, we, we don't have to do great exploits. And I don't think God is calling us to great exploits at this point. I think he's calling us to just be still. Be still and just stand in what you have and what you know and who you are and who he is. And if you're doing that, you're doing pretty good. Because there's a lot happening in the world right now that would make us really get kind of confused and misunderstand what might be God and what isn't God and all those things. And God's just saying, don't get in that fray. Just go to the basics. Go back to that fact that God is with us. Just be still and remember that. Just stand in what you do know. We may not know a bunch about the future and we may not know a bunch about what's going on right now, but we do know something. And what we do know about God, stand in that. Just stand in that. And don't let the, the struggles, the confusion, the negativity, the division, and all those things that are around us at times to take that away. Just be precious with that and hold on to that. And if it means turning off the TV, turn it off. If it means turning off CNN, turn it off. If it means not talking to certain people, turn it off. Because what we are 
what we have here is precious. And there is a part that we have to play in protecting that and keeping that and causing it to not be tarnished by uh, what's going on in the world around us. Um, go ahead, Tony. The world is being shaken. Mm. Fear, anxiety are rampant. Mm. God is still on the throne. There are no storms. There is absolutely nothing that changes the kingdom of God. Hmm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Do not allow the things that are happening to shake your faith. Hmm. I am the Lord your God. I am still on the throne. And I, I alone, am in control. Hmm. Amen. It's the truth. And uh, the, the statement, don't allow. Oh, glory. Don't allow. What are we allowing that we should not be allowing? I'll leave that with you. But what are we allowing that we should not be allowing in our life and in our circumstances? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a whole talk all on its own. Agnes, good to see you back from the rock. God bless you. Thank you. And, uh, when Bill was speaking and quoting that scripture, it, I got a picture of you describing there the armor of a soldier mm. preparing for battle. And Pastor was saying we all need to stand firm. But the picture that came to me was way back in, say, in, in Jesus' day, soldiers often marched into battle shoulder to yeah. shoulder. Mm. Each one standing, forming a barrier. Mm. And if you watch some of the movies and whatever, but if you look at history, that was a common thing to do. Mm. A soldier sitting down was not ready to fight. Yeah. A soldier standing up meant he was ready for battle. Mm. And a group of soldiers standing shoulder to shoulder meant they were already facing the enemy. Yes. And I think we are called today as the church to stand shoulder to shoulder. Mm. And that's Amen. all we need to do for the battle is the Lord's. Yes. That's good, Agnes. Thank you. And you know what? It's so interesting you should say that about the shoulder to shoulder thing because what is happening within the church? Separation, division, distance. And it's, it's visited our congregation too. We have to be very, very careful that we don't allow some stupid issue to come in and cause us to step away from the shoulder because that means the guy behind us is going to get hit. We have to stay shoulder to shoulder regardless, regardless of what those differences of opinion and, and all the stuff that's going on. We don't kid ourselves. There is a force out there that's trying to divide everything because something divided against itself will fall, whether it's governments, countries, faiths, whatever it is. It's a, it's a spiritual principle. 
And that's what's trying to be woven into our culture right now. And you know what? For the most part, it's working. But we can't, like Agnes said, we can't allow that to happen in our group of faith. And I'm sure other churches are saying the same thing. That we have to stand together and not let the issues of the day separate us from the eternity principles and truths that we know. It really is something that needs to be rehearsed. And we've talked about it a lot over the last months. But it seems every week you need to re like say it again because there's something new coming out and there's something new being said. So I think God's speaking. I don't know. Call me crazy. But uh, I think he's admonishing us. Janet. What do you think it means? An open window. Father, we have a picture of an open window. If there's any clarity on that, Lord, just pray you drop it into us. If anyone gets a picture, a thought, a scripture, a word about that, an open window. given two scriptures when you were speaking of the dividing of the body mm. and you know that the enemy does come to steal mm. he comes to he comes but to steal but to rob yeah to steal to kill to destroy and that includes dividing yeah and we are to be alert and awake and aware yeah. and if we are divided from each other we are less awake and less aware than we should be. Yeah. Because we have lost our standing within each other. Yeah. And the second is, when the enemy comes in like a flood, mm. the Lord raises up a standard against him. Yeah. And I've heard before, and the Lord spoke to me this one day, he said, I go before you. I make a way where there is no way. Mm. And that deals directly with presumption because we go before the Lord seeking to do things our way because we have something in our little bitty mind mm. that is going to fix the problem. And God says, wait for me. And he told me one day, he said, I cannot advance against that which opposes you with you in front of me. Mm. Yeah, it's the same thing. Be still. Be still. Just stand, be still. Anyone with more about the open window? Gary, and then we'll move on. 
Yeah, the open window, uh, it definitely has, it's something that we can see, something that can come in. The fresh wind, I'd really connect with that, the fresh wind of being able to see God and also allow God in. Um, how that, uh, what God may be saying to someone this morning is that he is asking you to let him in, in a new way, in a new way, in a bigger way. Uh, that's what I sense, something about open the window of your soul and your being and allow God in. I know that's nebulous and it's kind of abstract, but if it's you, then God will give you the specifics of what that means. But to allow God in, um, to let that fresh presence, or it might be a first-time presence of God in, open the window. And it is true, you're either letting something out or letting something in. One of those two things are going to happen when you open a window. So that's something for, you know, someone is uh, an individual here this morning that might be hearing that specifically. But, okay. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I don't have anything to say about the window, but I do have a song that God sent to me. Thank you for that. What a What's your name? Bell? Beautiful Bell. Thank you. Thank you for being obedient and doing that. God is merciful. 
And I love it that he'll take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, which is just a paraphrase of what that one of the phrases in that song. Lord, do that. I pray today, Father, come and change us. Come us make a, make us a people, a people of love, Father God. Not that we aren't already to some degree. We're all in process. But Lord, we're asking as she sang that song that Lord, you would come and give us hearts of love. Change the hearts within us. Cause us to be have hearts of worship and love and compassion. Father, you said to ancient Israel, you said that you would take the away their stony heart and give them a heart of flesh. And Lord, I pray that for us today in a world where hearts are turning so cold. I pray, Father God, give us your heart of love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to go rather quickly here, but we're going to do a little exercise this morning. Um, You'll see that there is uh, cards and pen there around you somewhere. Uh, I'm going to ask, and you need to be really honest, and you don't have to sign this. Your name's not going on it. Nobody's going to know that it's you writing this. And you don't have to do this if you don't want to. This is just an exercise that I want to try to bring along and give a little opportunity for the Holy Spirit to maybe do something. But, uh, yeah, just grab one, Liz, for, sorry, I didn't put one in there. But very often, I was talking with some people this week, and very often when we get in a situation of assessing ourselves or uh, looking at ourselves or when we're praying, we often will... Uh, you know, have an assumption or an attitude about ourselves. And we will think certain ways about ourselves. And here you go. Has everyone got one? Everything okay? We're good? So, We were just talking about that this week, and I thought it might be a good exercise. And Liz, you can show this this slide. I put a a slide together. And uh, again, you need to be very honest about this for it to be of any real, I guess, consequence or value. Um, But you can see that on the one side there's negative, on the one side there's positive. And honestly, when we think of ourselves, when we are judging and assessing ourselves, what most common are the three words. Now, it doesn't have to, it could be other ones than these ones. I'm just giving you an example of some of the ways that we see ourselves in pejorative ways and also in positive ways. Uh, Negative, uh, you're a burden, you're not smart, lazy, unlikable, sinful, not gifted, have no talent, uneducated, stupid, a disappointment, ugly, unlovable. Does that all sound familiar at some point in our inner voice vocabulary or in a positive sense that you're interesting and that you're lovable and that you're beautiful and that you're forgiving and intelligent and all those things. And I just want you to write down, be honest, when you're seriously thinking of yourself, what, how do you see yourself? Just three words and we'll take a few moments for you to do that. And then we're going to gather them up. I'm going to ask Bill and Mary, if you could, to after you're finished, uh, to just come and gather them in in the baskets that are at the back. So just take a, a few minutes to just write down. And again, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But three words that 
often come to your mind when you think about yourself? Not what God thinks about you, it's what you think about yourself. And if for those at home, you can see the slide and you can get a piece of paper and a pen and write it down at home. beside you doesn't have to see it. And these again are just examples, but it could be other words that you hear. hard isn't it yeah it's hard to be honest about it too okay bill and mary if you could uh if you're finished mary if you're not finished just collect those and you can just drop them up here Again, your name doesn't need to be on them. refer to this at the end of the service depending on what God does I really don't know what totally what he wants to do with that um, I just had a sense we're supposed to do it and he'll work it in the way we see ourselves this is not going to be anything new to you if you're a Christian of a certain age um, that the way we see ourselves is not the way God sees us how many agree with that one you know it's getting around that bend that sometimes is the hard time. Psalms 139, 13 to 16 says, and this is God speaking about you and I. Something, a scripture you guys all know. I should have broke that up for you, but you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. <coughs> Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me 
as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And this is an amazing statement. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. God's recording our lives. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I think that's telling us that God's got it in control. I, I know there's great debate about whether or not we're in control of our life or God's in control of our life. And I know it is a certain dance. But God knows your steps before you make them. And a good if you're dancing with someone and they're leading and you're following and you make a misstep, they know how to fix that and get it back into, you know, so that you don't all tumble in a heap on the floor. They know how to do that. John 1 and 12, but to all who believed him, and accepted him, meaning Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. And 1 Peter 2 and 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Again, there is that sense that God chose you and I. You are royal priests. And if you want to think about the priests in the Old Testament and the, the regalia that they were in and all of the great ceremony and the great pomp around them, a holy nation, God's very own possession. You as an individual are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. God has a very, very high view of us, a very high calling that has very little to do with our natural talents. There was a little sidebar when I get to this part of the talk, there's a sidebar that I think is important. We cannot come into the fullness of how we are made without having Christ and the Holy Spirit. We just can't. I, I mean, we may make our living from our natural giftings. Uh, you could be an artist, a, a cleaner, a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor. You can have natural giftings, and that's great. Um, and, th and, you know, we make our living from that. But it takes the Holy Spirit. This is something that only the Holy Spirit can perfect the things in us that will truly make us a successful, happy person. Happy is elusive. Happy is very elusive. I've, I've touched it a few times, but it's pretty elusive. But I think there is room for happy, and I think that the Holy Spirit's purpose is to bring us into a place of being truly successful in the ways that truly matter when you lay your head down on the pillow at night. It takes the Holy Spirit to perfect love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control, gentleness, faithfulness, generosity. What are those? Fruit of the Spirit. I guarantee you, if you have nothing else in life and you have those, you will be a happy and successful person. You will be. In the things that truly matter and enable us to walk through life. Because if you have those things, you can be in utter poverty and utter struggle, and you still have something that makes you go on. That is the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe that is what Jesus came Yes, to, to take away our sins. Thank you, Jesus. We all have varying degrees of understanding of that and walking in the faith of that. 
But he's also here to put these things in us through the Holy Spirit. And it takes the Holy Spirit also to give us something else that is very important to being a, being a successful person, and that is the power over, over sin, to overcome sin. Hate, anger, jealousy, murder, sexual immorality, divisions, lust, all those things that not only does God want to come and put the fruit of the Spirit into us, he also wants to take these things and give you and I power over them. I am a firm believer that God comes into us with his Holy Spirit and there is nothing, there is nothing that is a sin, bondage, stronghold, whatever it is, that is not able to be conquered by the power of the Holy Spirit. It may take time. It may take struggle because there is that will part that we play in it. But God knows how to work that dance out. He knows how to do it. But that's when we think of God making us into this wonderful, complex, wonderful, beautiful, marvelous creation. These are the things that I believe he had in mind. That we would have the capacity for the fruit of the spirit and also the ridding and the overcoming of sin and bondage in our life. I think it's the only way we can be truly happy and successful. Because I've met and you've met and you've seen and heard about people who are very wealthy and very successful and they're not very happy. And they, they don't have success and they're not good people to be around and there's something very off about it. But God calls us not as we are, but as we will be. We're going to look at a couple of examples of this. Romans 4 and 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is Paul talking about Abraham. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Abraham believed God when he said, oh, Abraham, you're going to have a child in a year. Um, and uh, it's going to be through your wife that it's going to happen. And you know the story. They were both well past the years of that being able to happen in the natural. And, and Abraham believed him. He took Abraham out and he said, as far as many stars as you can see, so will be your descendants. And he believed God. And God said that was righteousness. That's what made Abraham righteous. That he believed God when God said he was going to do something that only would only take a miracle to do. And it's a call for us to do the same thing today. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. So God is in the business of taking what isn't already alive or active in your life and my life, and I would say it's the fruit of the Spirit and many other things, that they're not there yet, but he's saying, oh, yes, they are. Oh, yeah, they are. You know, they went to Jesus' sister, you know, and they said, Lazarus is, uh, is sick and he's, he's dying and he's dead. And they, Jesus said, no, 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 this is not an illness unto death. <laughs> he says that, and what does Lazarus go and do? He dies. So what do you make of that? Is Jesus a liar? No, he's not a liar. He just said, this is not unto death, the kind of death that was eternal, you know. And of course, Jesus shows up. Sure enough, Lazarus is there dead. But what does he do? He brings him back to life. That which seemed impossible, he, Jesus was seeing it as, oh, no, 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 he's alive. Jesus just skipped right over the struggle and said, no, no, he's, uh, he's going to be alive. 
And God is saying that to you and I this morning, skipping right over, saying, no, 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 there's good stuff. You can do this. You can be this. You can have this. You can achieve this. You are this. It's all in process. It took four days with Lazarus. It might take four years for you and I in some other situation. But nonetheless, Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. You just see what's in the natural. I see what's in the spiritual. I see what I am going to do. And God wants us to see what he is going to do. We see our faults, failures, and weaknesses. That's what we see. But God sees something we don't see. And the process of asking us to look, I don't know how many of you, we'll read some of these out, but how many of us, how many of our words were negative about us? And yeah, in the natural, you know, it might be true. Yeah, you know what, we might have this and we might have that and we might be this. But that does not negate the fact that God is going to still do something through you and still is going to perfect something in you and has not disqualified you because of those things. We look at Peter, first of all, Matthew 16 and 18. I just, like, I just, say God, like, I just feel God saying uh, something along the lines of, don't give up. Like, there's, take another run at this. Someone here, take another run at your life. Take another run at believing. Take another run at thinking that you can and you will and God will be with you. Just kind of grab that up again and start feeding that. It says fan into flame. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame that gift. Fan into flame that prophecy. Fan into flame that promise that God gave you. It's time to remember it again and to, and to bring it back to life. Matthew 16 and 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Peter, who, the one who actually was used by Satan to try to dissuade Jesus from going to Jerusalem. That Peter. That Jesus actually looked at him and called him Satan. And of course he was speaking to the voice of Satan working through Peter, but nonetheless. And that is Peter who'd been hanging with Jesus for some years at this point. Peter, the first one to act in violence in Gethsemane, goes and cuts that guy's ear off. So that's Peter's response. So much for watching Jesus for three years be this compassionate healer, <laughs> he goes and cuts a guy's ear off. Talk about not getting it. But we wouldn't have got it either, so it's no difference. I mean, the rest of them took off into the woods. So, And Peter, the one who denied Jesus in complete fear and panic in front of uh, a garden servant, that said, I, th I think you're a Galilean. It's that Jesus that or that Peter that Jesus was able to look at and say, oh, no, 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 that's what I'm going to build my kingdom on. I don't know what you see when you see yourself, but God is saying, yeah, I can use that. I can build on that. Gideon, I love Gideon's story, Judges 6 and 14 to 15. Then the Lord turned to him and said to Gideon, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. There's the key word right there, I'm sending you, right? But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. There you have it. God, what's interesting about that is God was not asking Gideon to be anything that he was not. He wasn't telling Gideon, 
no, you need to be something else in order for me to use you. He was saying, just as you are, I'm going to use you. And Gideon couldn't get his head around that. He said, what do you, you can't, I can't rescue Israel. What are we saying that we can't do? What are we saying can't happen? What are we saying God will never do? What are we thinking that is never going to come true for us? Because of, and, and, and we've all got our excuses, right? We all, look at what I did. Look at what I did with my life. Look at what I did to my family. Look at what I did to this. Look at what I did to all these things. And God was not denying that Gideon was weak. He wasn't denying that. God actually used all of Gideon's weaknesses. And as you know the story, he met him with all of those fleeces where he encouraged him and encouraged him and encouraged him until finally Gideon took the lamps and went and scared the enemy away. And what's beautiful about that is Gideon really didn't have to do anything. He just had to stand with some light. That's all he had to do. They all circled the enemy, 300 of them. They had their, their, those pots of fire. They broke them. And when the enemy looked up into the hills and saw the pots of fire, they didn't know there was only one guy <laughs> standing there. They thought there were thousands. So they just took off running. Can imagine Gideon going, oh, my heavens, it worked. It worked. This actually worked. So, I mean, God is just maybe in the Gideon situation just asking us, like God said this morning, to stand, stand, continue believing, continue holding on, continue saying no to everything that's happening around us and everything that's trying to divide us and everything that's trying to take the sense that we have a future. That's what's ultimately trying to be stolen from us is that we have a future. Oh, the economy's going this and all that and all that and all that and all that. And oh, I, I guess we were believing wrong to think that there could be success, prosperity, and I'm not talking just financial, but success, prosperity, and, and, and opportunity for us. No, no, God can do what we can't yet see. Jeremiah 1, 4 to 7. The Lord gave me this message, it's Jeremiah speaking. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. He's prophesying a word from the Lord. I knew you, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. What is God saying to us this morning? Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that to ourselves, right? Don't say that about yourself. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Again, this is heralding back to you are marvelous, marvelously and wonderfully put together in your mother's womb by the hand of God. And, and in Jeremiah, God is saying, listen, I, I you were in the womb and I knew this was going to happen. I've, I, this is what I was going to do with you. That's why you were put together. So once again, it's hard to believe that in the womb of your mother that God already had the plan for you. He already had what he wants you to do. And everything in hell and high water is going to come and try to stop us. We know that from achieving that. Trust me, I know that. And you probably know it. But God is saying, no, 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 no. No. Don't say that it can't. Don't say that it won't. Don't say that it shouldn't because who I am, what I am, and what people have said about me. Jeremiah was probably right in the natural. He was probably saying that he was too young for such a task. He probably was. He was just a kid. Can you imagine this 
hid going and speaking to the king and all of Israel. Who's this kid? What's, what's this all about? And you, you know he got a lot of that. And maybe you get a lot of that too. Maybe you get a lot of someone saying, oh, who, who are you? Or you may think like, uh, this is what they're going to think about me. Yeah, they might think that about you. They might even say that to you. Who do you think you are? Well, last I checked, I'm someone called by God. And I think that's, that's worth something. And he's telling Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah to remember that, right? But God chose someone who was in a time of their life that did not fit the task. He chose him purposefully at a time when he, in the natural, should not have been able to do that job and said, go and do it. I don't know what is naturally telling you that you can't, won't, or, or it won't happen, but it doesn't seem to change God's intentions in that. And finally, Moses. Uh, Moses, Exodus 4, 10 to 11. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I am not very good with words. This is when God was calling Moses to go and deliver Israel out of the hands of Egypt. <laughs> you know, he was calling Moses to go back into the place he ran out of because he was going to be killed. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, <laughs> you know. And he's 80 years old. I never have been. And I'm not now. And I'm not going to get any better either. You can get this Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. <laughs> Sound familiar? Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Wow. Okay, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we need to hear something here. Apparently, what God might be saying is that he is the one who decides if someone is deaf or someone is not. He is the one who decides if someone is blind or if someone is not. That's tough theology. And we'll wriggle and wriggle around that and try to make it agree with what we believe is the reality of the situation. We'll just go, well, oh, he doesn't mean that, and we get the wrong translation. And in the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, before you know it, it says go out and buy a Cadillac. That's what it turns into. Go, go out and buy a Cadillac, and God will, you know. Um, but in actuality, this is talking about the dangerous sovereignty of God in the sense that it, it, it would seem dangerous to believe it. Because it might change the way we see God. It might, but all, I, all we have to do is look at it. God is saying, listen, I'm the one who's in control of all this stuff. right? I'm the one who's, who's doing it. So God created, what's amazing about it is that God created Moses in the womb. Right? He did, right? And he created him without the ability to speak. But yet he knew he was going to call him to be this great speaker. Oh, man, God, one way or another, is going to prove it's not us. It's not up to us. It's not up to us. Now, God did give a concession to Moses and had Aaron come along, and Aaron was the one who spoke for him. But it wasn't because God couldn't have spoken through Moses. It's just that God is merciful, and he said, uh, it's almost like he said, okay, I don't want to waste any more time on this. Let's just, this person over here will speak for you, right? But what's amazing 
God called somebody who was formed in the womb, not even able to do what it is that God was going to call him to do in the natural. So the summary of it all, I think, is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He planned to create the opportunities and the ability for you and I to do the things that he wants us to do. And, and he'll do it. I think it's just right now God is kind of encouraging us to believe that it can happen in a time where there's so much doubt and there's so much fear and anxiety and all, all the rest that's going on. So I just want to read a few of these. Positive, interesting, forgiving, and loving. Beautiful. Middle of the road, not good enough, defenseless. Powerful, defenseless. Do you ever feel defenseless? Vulnerable? Scared? That's powerful stuff. Patient, forgiving, and kind. Beautiful. Critical, cheerful, teachable. That's an interesting combination, isn't it? <laughs> I'm critical, but I'm teachable. I love it. And cheerful in the middle of it all. You should be a pastor. That's wonderful. Positive, loving, a loner. A loner. I can honestly say that I think it is the force to get us alone. Now, sometimes we are loners by in the sense that we're introverts and, and that kind of a thing. But we should never be alone. The Christian church is a church that is a congregational experience. It was always meant to be to be done in a congregation. And being a loner really sets us up for attack. And that sounds dramatic, but it sets us up for uh, being tricked, lied to. There's something beautiful about getting in a group of people and talking about these kinds of things and finding out, oh, that's not true, what I was believing. That's the beauty of the body, right? Loving, kind, non judgmental boy there's there's something non-judgmental being non-judgmental we like have you ever been in a room and you're talking and all of a sudden we did this uh, heather and i were downstairs with some people we got talking about something and all of a sudden i just said did you feel the 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 energy in the room just change and it's because we were talking basically about what the enemy was doing and all of a sudden, it just got, just every, it was kind of like, oh, the wind went right out of the room. It gets heavy, yeah. Trustworthy, gift of laughter, and pleasant. A gift of laughter. Do you know what? We need to laugh more. We need to laugh more. Hopefully not at other people, <laughs> but we need to laugh. Mind you, I do go on YouTube and watch the videos of people falling. I'm sorry, that's just hilarious. Like, I don't know why I'm saying, Pete, this is like, 
it's a terrible, but it's so funny. Like they walk in a store and they trip over the mat and they're, they're gone and no one gets hurt. It's no one's not seeing people get maimed or anything, but or seeing people get scared, like people <laughs> sinful, loving and lovable. That kind of sums us all up in some ways, doesn't it? Sinful in some ways, though we're forgiven, but we're in the process of being cleansed and loving, even if we're just loving our cat. You know, we're loving. But God is God is in the process of turning us into a loving people. It's some people have it more naturally and it, it takes a longer time with others. But forgiven, not good enough, a mistake. There's the one I was looking for, a mistake. Wow. Do you know how many people feel they were a mistake? Do you know, I've, go I've gone through quite a bit of spiritual therapy and stuff through my life, as you have, I'm sure, and, uh, and through different ministries and stuff. And one of them that was very captivating to me was uh, that you can be affected by your mother's opinion of you while you were in her womb and how many people we don't have to get crazy about this but there is people who get pregnant and don't want the child and it's a child of woe and uh, thankfully there's they don't they choose not to abort but the child is born with angst and not wanted do you think that child in there is not picking that up? Yeah, yes, Jabez. And it, it really is a, a thing that we are body, soul, mind, and spirit. And so many people believe that they are a mistake because nothing worked out. And it's so difficult and it's hard. And it just, guess who's whispering there saying, you're not good enough, you're a mistake. Father, we pray for that person this morning. Father, we pray that, Lord, you would show that they are not a mistake. That, Father, as we read this morning, you put them together in the womb of their mother. We came through our parents, but we came from you, Father. And you decided that this person needed to be here. You decided that this person was lovable and was your child and has a future and a destiny and a purpose. And Father, we just today just take authority over powers and principalities that would try to come and convince this person that they are not good enough and a mistake. You do not make mistakes, Father. You do not. So Father, I just pray personhood, personhood, citizenship in your family, over this person, in Jesus' name, amen. Not good enough, likable. Not good enough, unlikable, ugly. That's another one I was expecting to come up. And like, these things are, are things that we believe. We believe about ourselves. I'm reading these because I want you to know that welcome to the family. Here's who we are. Here's what we think about ourselves. Kind, forgiving, and loving. 
Hmm? No, ugly, we live in a culture, we live in a culture that has elevated beauty to a place, and it's not, un it's not unknown, it's not, un it's not foreign, it's been through all generations. And it's been proven that people who are attractive get better judgments in court. Um, people who are attractive get different service. It's just, the it's just the way our culture is. It's not right. But nobody is ugly in God's eyes. Because God sees the heart. God sees the person. And... I don't know how many people I have prayed over in, in the years when I did a lot of speaking at churches and prophesying over people, how many times I would stop and I very often would not, I made sure I didn't see the face, I just took the hand so I wouldn't be, uh, you know, affected by who I'm seeing. <coughs> but how many times I had to pray over people thinking they were ugly. It, it would just come to me and uh, especially women who see their value in their appearance. And I tell you, uh, there's a reason that, you know, Paul said for women, make sure that you don't spend a lot of time doing this. Right? Um, that if you can't go out and be seen, I'm not saying go out in your house coat and your hair's all this way and you just walk out and, you know, then you're in Walmart. I just had to say that. I, you know, what, what is it with Walmart? But, um, but you know, when you can't go outside, when you can't go outside without having all this done, you need to stop and think about it. And it's affecting men now too. Like men are really being affected, and they're in gyms five days a week, trying to get the six pack and the pecs and all the rest of it for what? Because the world values that and sees it as something that is, that you need to have. And we'll wait one. I just want to go through these quickly. Positive, kind, forgiving. A lot of forgiving. I love that because we need it in the church. Generous, not, spar not smart, not gifted, stupid. The world, the world. Especially, especially the education system. The education system is, is geared to make you, s you s be stupid. It's geared to make you be judged by everybody else. And, um, and in the world, that, that we just come out of it thinking we're stupid and that we can't. Or if we had parents that said to us, you're stupid. How many had the parent who said, you're stupid? I was arguing. Well, I wasn't arguing. <laughs> We were having a discussion with my wife, and um, no, it might have been an argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might have been an argument. <laughs> I think it was. Um, and uh, just years ago, and all of a sudden out of the blue, I think I can say this, this isn't, yeah, yeah. Um, said, my father said I was stupid my whole life, you're not going to. And the word stupid never came out of my mouth. Um, but it was what was resident already inside. And just my, the tone or whatever it is, I'm sure, um, just triggered that. 
And who knows? The fact and the reality is that you're not stupid. That anyone, if you're walking down the street, living, feeding yourself, surviving in the world that we now live in, you are not stupid. You are not stupid. You're actually a survivor. And, you know, it's, it's you're a survivor. And God has put you in this world that we're in right now because he said you can survive this. I have made you for this day. I don't know why I wasn't made in the, the 1500s or the 2nd century or the 10th century or why you weren't. But God said, I think I need uh, Jerry in Mosaic in 2021. I think I need, you know, Linda. I think I need everybody. You were designed to be here today. And, but very often, are the people who are role models, teachers, and all the rest of it, have the ability to speak. And all it takes is one word. To be embarrassed in a classroom. To be told by a parent or somebody that you're stupid. And it sticks. And guess what? You're fed it all through your life. And you know who makes sure that happens? The enemy. I noticed it in school. I learned this later on. I wasn't a Christian in my school years. But you'll notice in, in school or in society, culture, that people will consistently be called something. It's most evident in schools where someone is being called whatever over and over again by everybody. Yeah, And the enemy is behind that. And he's going to guarantee that there people come into your life, situations that are going to remind you of, of this and say it to you over and over and over again. But if you are in this world, you are not stupid. God is, has not made you stupid. Someone has made you think you are. That's how that works. Ungifted, and there it is, ugly, unlovable, a failure, a mistake, stupid. Right? Welcome to the body. This is who we are. And you know what? I won't say it's okay. I'll say the honesty is okay. The honesty is okay. Because God is in the process of changing that. And God wants you to know that he is in the process of changing that. These are the things, these are all stuff from the enemy. Easy enough to say, just don't believe it. But it comes with time. And, and this is why it's so important for us in the body to love each other. You don't know what you're doing when you go over to somebody and say, how are you doing? And I was thinking about you. Or could I just pray with you? Or you pick up the phone and call somebody. Or you get a, a positive thought about somebody and just send it to them in an email or call them. You don't know how you might be fighting this in somebody's life. This is what the body does. We fight those things, and we do it with love. That's how we do it. Little acts of love. Interesting giving, worker, doer. Okay, you come see me at the end of the service. Because I got your card. You're here somewhere. I see ya. I'm just going to put that one over there. <laughs> Not good enough. A disappointment. Unique. Now that's an interesting combination. Because those first two negatives, but somewhere they know in there that they're unique. They're unique. And unique 
and wonderfully made, right? And God will use that uniqueness. And I love that. I love that they know they're unique. God only made one of us. Everyone else is taken. So God has made us unique. And the way he made you is the way he wants you to be. The world, again, will try to tell you that you're not enough and that you're like we've been hearing. But God is saying, no, I made you uniquely you. And one of the worst things we can do is try to change ourselves in some way to be more, more workable or more usable by God. I understand we have to follow God in his spirit as he tells us to maybe work on this and work on that and stuff like that. But the, the core person you are, the person who came up to that microphone and sang, that's a unique ability to do that. Her uniqueness to do that's beautiful. And, and God just wants us to do what is uniquely us. We don't have to be a bunch of stuff. Ooh. Ooh, boy. Um, yeah. Broken, depressed, morbid, under potential. Also, but hard worker, diligent, clean, and quiet. You know, sometimes we get broken. We get broken, and like that window, sometimes it can let things in, and sometimes it can let things out. And sometimes brokenness especially in mental health, I'm speaking from experience, that mental health brokenness can let things in, really bad things. You can see yourself in unbelievably bad ways. And, uh, and it's a fight. It's a fight because something's broken. And, um, but God is a God that in the midst of that darkness and depression and brokenness, that's again where the word of God comes in. And we just hold on. And yeah, we might be under our potential, but you know what? Your life ain't over yet. And I still believe God can use people in broken, depressed, morbid situations because you're looking at somebody who I live a lot of that. And it's scripture that we hold on to and hope that we hold on to uh, in the midst of that. But again, that's that person should be in the church exactly where they are because we're the ones that are going to tell them there's a God that is able to meet you in the situation you're in. You are not disqualified. You are actually the most favored in God's eyes. The more broken, the more favored. I know that God doesn't love people in degrees, but he certainly pays more attention to some people at times because they need it. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Willie. God is the God of that person, and God loves you and is with you. A failure and no change in life. Your life isn't over yet. I won't go through all of these because we'll be here all afternoon, but it was good to hear some of these. It was good to know some of these things. And we're going to keep these and we're going to pray over these now. And it's, it's really a, a thank you, first of all, for being so honest. Thank you for trusting the process. And 
and we've really seen the body today. You don't need to know who, but we know that the body is this. It's, it's this mix of good and bad and easy and hard and broken and stable. And Father, we just come to you today through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, thank you for this body. Here we are, Dad. Here we are. Come, Holy Spirit. You have seen all these and you know this honesty and the truths that have been spoken here today. And we remember what your word says, Father God, that you formed us and you made us. So we trust in whatever state we are today that you are with us and you are going to work through us and walk alongside us and keep us, Father God, walking and standing and knowing that, Father God, regardless how we are or what state we're in, you love us and you are determined to finish all that you have designed and, and desired for our life. So, Father, we thank you for your love for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's so much ministry I'd love to do right now, but we, we can't pray for people, and it's just it's hard to do it in, in COVID. Under normal circumstances, we call everyone up and we'd start praying through the line, but And indeed, this is, this is to the people that had put down things that, that caused the pastor to be concerned and in some cases astounded, where you look at the, the, the magnifying glass is on the things that cause us problems. Mm. The things we are concerned about, the things that we fight against are always negative. We don't fight against the diligent and the bold and the brave no. and the loving and the kind and the gentle and the forth. We don't fight against those things because they're already established as well. Right. But the things that are ugly and unseemly in our lives are the things that God manifested this particular thing for. Mm. To take the warts and to take the halos, separate the halos and clean up the warts, clean mm. up the bandaging, clean up the bruising, clean up the mess that we see ourselves in. Mm. And again, you spoke it. You know this quite well. Right. You know this quite well because the days that were good were really good. Yeah. And the days that were not good punched you in the face. Yeah. It, uh, thank you, Willie. It's, someone said something to me uh, a while ago um, about seeing when we see, uh, like my list on the negative there at certain times this year could have been pretty lengthy. But a pastor said to me, and I'm crying and he's crying and, and he said, Keith, that is the stuff Jesus came for. All that negative stuff you're seeing, all that stuff you see about yourself, whether it's true or not, you feel it. That's what Jesus died for. That's the stuff he loves you in. That stuff has been taken. That's why he came and he cleansed it from guilt and shame. That's why he came. He's not rejecting you because of those things. It's those things that actually compel him toward you that made him stay on the cross because those things had to be fixed. They had to be forgiven. They had to be covered. He had to let his Holy Spirit come to change them and to grow us and to, and to turn us into the things that in our heart we want to be, but everything seems to be working against us. So we can't look at those negatives and those hard things and say it disqualifies us. That's what made Jesus come. 
that's why you're here today for you and for I. I suppose we're way over time. We'll take up uh, we'll take up an offering. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give back. We do so with thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.